So we're in our series, Criticizing Christianity, in which we're saying, let's criticize ourselves and let's address the biggest criticisms that people have against Christianity, um, uh, specifically against faith. And, and, uh, and uh, last week we talked about the Bible and the Bible just isn't reliable. And we looked at that and we looked at, at those claims and we addressed it. Um, and this morning we're looking at this. Well, there can't only be one way to God. There just can't be. In fact, it's arrogant and prideful to say that there is. The only one way? Come on, really? You don't really, you don't, you, how, do you, how do you expect me to believe that? Of all of the religions, of, of the billions of people who have faith, yours is the only right one? So we're gonna look at that this morning and address that very thing. I imagine that, that uh, a number of us in this room um, have, have been asked this question by other people or you've asked this question yourself. Like you legitimately have this question and, and wanna know, yeah, I, 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 how, how, why is that? Why, why do you Christians believe that? It's no secret that religion uh, has been a, a source for division in, throughout history. Um, in fact, if you ask people what the greatest threat to peace on earth is, a lot of people, especially critics, will say, well, probably in the world today is religion. Religion is the, the single greatest threat to peace on earth. And it isn't because of like what they believe, but it's specifically this idea of religious exclusivity that I am right and everyone else is wrong. That what I believe is true and what everyone else, if they believe something different, then they're wrong. That our truth based on our book is the only right one. And that's a problem because what can happen and does happen is if one group attempts to convince another group by force, what leads, it, this, this, uh, this idea of religious exclusivity then leads to religious extremism, which often throughout time we've seen leads to violence. It, hence, this is a threat to peace. So this morning, we're gonna address this question and, and how, how do we, how, what do we say? What do we, uh, as a Christian, what do you, what do you mean? How can you say that, that there's only one way to God? There can't be only one way to God. Now, uh, I brought this up before last, um, last sun, Sunday and I'll bring it up again. This, if you, uh, if you have one book, if you, if you read one book a year, right? You're like, I got one book, but it's gonna be a good one, right? And, and if, you know, on a good year, right? One book. If this is that year where you're like, I'm gonna read a book, uh, you know, a book, one book this year. This, if you haven't read this book, this is your book. Uh, it's Timothy Keller, The Reason for God. And uh, a lot of what we're going through is like, man, he's really helped me in my thinking, but this really is a killer book. So if you don't have it, you can go on Amazon. You can have it probably in a couple days. If you need help, come talk to me. I'll get you a copy. I'll give you this copy. It's not even my copy, so I, I won't miss it. Um, I think I got this out of Pastor Andy's office. So he would love to give you his copy of this book. I've, given my, I've bought this so many times and given away so many times. I'm like, I don't know where my copy is. So um, uh, that is super helpful. Now this morning, as we continue through this, um, uh, I have three goals. The first is to address this, that everyone has a set of exclusive beliefs. Everyone. That this isn't, this isn't a 
Christian idea or thing. This isn't a religious theme that only religious people have exclusive beliefs. No, no, no. Everyone has exclusive beliefs. Um, I want to address this. Can there possibly even be a set of beliefs that are right? Is it even possible that any one set of beliefs is right or true? And then the third, all right, of all the sets of beliefs, which one leads to humility, peace, and tolerance, and love? And, and I, you can imagine where we're going with this, but, but this is, I think, I hope, will be a light bulb moment for a lot of us that like, oh, okay. So let's start by asking uh, this question. What do we do with religion? And, and more specifically, what has been done with religion? How has culture, societies, countries, nations, civilization, how have they responded to like just religion in general? There's generally three ways and, and uh, Keller elaborates uh, much more on this than, than we will this morning. Um, but there are generally three attempts, three, three options have been attempted. The first is to outlaw it. All right, let's just ban it. Let's just ban religion, especially exclusive religions. I like uh, Christianity. And this has happened, this, I mean, this happened in the beginning in the first century, Christianity was outlawed. And if you were Christian, you were killed for your, you were martyred for your faith. Your life was ended. And, and that, didn't, that didn't stop, like that still happens today that the people are killed for their faith. And if you go to, uh, if you go to communist countries today, even, Christianity and other exclusive religions are outlawed. You and I, we can get on a plane right now. I mean, you know, it might take a little bit of time. But we, can, we can fly to China and say, hey, take me, take me, to your, your, uh, take me to your largest church. I want to see their facilities. Well, um, well, we'll take you to a few houses. Uh, we, we don't have churches here. What do you mean? It's outlawed. Christianity is banned. But here's the problem. Ready? The thing that happen in, uh, in countries where, there, it, where, uh, where religion and specifically uh, exclusive religions like Christianity are outlawed, uh, Christianity grew faster than it did when it was accepted. In the first century, it, it blew up. I mean, it expanded everywhere. Persecution drove, like it increased the amount of believers. If you go to China and, and you, it, it'll be hard to just do this because you can't like, just be like, hey, show me all your churches. Show me all your Christians. They have an underground church. And, and a lot of experts say that the underground church, like the size of it, the amount of Christians in the underground church is larger than the amount of Christians in America. There are more Christians in China than in America, but you don't see them. They don't have buildings they don't, because they're underground. That this idea of, of outlawing faith, it has not worked at all. In fact, it's for them, it's probably made it worse, right? It, it's like, we thought we could just, if we just kill them all, we thought it would work. And, but this is now a bigger problem because we made more of them. So outlawing, that has been tried and it continues to be tried. Here's option two. Option one really hasn't happened in America, um, but option two and option three have. Option two, all right, we, listen, we're not gonna outlaw it, right? We have, especially here, we have the freedom of religion. We can't outlaw it. But here's, here's the deal, ready? We can privatize it. Here's the deal. What you believe is what you believe. That's fine. Just keep it to yourself. Listen, just keep it to yourself. I don't need you telling me what you believe or what I should believe. Just, let's just agree that you'll just, what you believe is good for you and that's fine, but like, but like don't, don't tell anyone else what they should believe. Let's just keep it private. 
Don't bring it into the public arena. Don't, don't, let it in, don't let it involve, like don't get your religious views involved in anything else. But here's the problem. Ready for this? Everyone brings their privately held beliefs into the public arena. Everyone believe, brings their private belief where that they, that, like they're, they're unprovable, their beliefs that they hold on to, everyone brings it into their interaction in their life and in their public arena and in their, their, their decisions they make for their family and how they vote. Like everyone does it. This isn't like, well, you Christians, you just keep it to yourselves. Everyone has private views, beliefs that aren't provable, that, that aren't scientific, yet they are held deeply and are believed and have deep convictions over it. Let me give you an example. We'll talk about this at a future sermon. We'll, we'll do, a, I think, a, a deeper dive. But one example of, of, of beliefs that are based on preferences or faith assumptions, not on science, um, is this. Uh, human rights. Now, we all believe in human rights, I hope. I hope you believe that, like, you shouldn't be the only person who has rights, but, like, all humans have rights. We have certain rights one of which is the right to live. You have the right to not be killed, right? right? Like, like no one just gets to just show up and just murder you with, without any consequences. It happens, people get murdered, but like, it isn't like a, oh, you know what? That's too bad. <laughs> Sorry. And, and here's the thing. We all believe in human rights. We all believe that like, especially, especially those who are, who are looked down upon that, that like maybe not as fortunate and like, like have, have been oppressed, like actually oppressed, like, it is good to fight on their behalf. Now, where does that belief come from? Because it's not scientific. It's not naturalistic. And when we look at the world, we don't naturally say, you know what, in nature, I see animal rights everywhere. It's amazing. We don't, there was a documentary done a number of years ago and they talked about this. They did a song. Um, we, 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 I think we've talked about this before. The, this song, do you remember this, um, this, this documentary? Um, they had to draw it because they couldn't get it, it, it as accurate. It's called The Lion King. And there's a song, you remember this? The Circle of Life. And we're all like cheering it on. Like, you know, the, 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 the lion kills the gazelle so he can feed the family. But then when he dies, his body becomes the grass that then grows and feeds the gazelle. And it's this beautiful cycle. And, and this, like, this is amazing. This it's amazing. And the circle of life is incredible. No one, listen, no one watches that and says, we should do the same for people. It's the circle of life. We, for whatever reason, we believe in human rights that are different than animals. Like, like if you go to Africa and you, like, you're probably waiting for this. Like, you would love to see this. You would love to see a lion attack its prey and go take down a gazelle. And, and it would be like the highlight of your life to like, I'm here for this. Are you kidding me? Like, and, and you're not in that moment going, animal rights, he can't do this. He should not be doing this. That he, he should not be attacking this. Actually, the ladies do all the killing. I don't know if you do that. The, this lioness, like they do all the, they're, they're like, they're actual, the real lions. And they go, and, and you shouldn't be going and killing that thing because it has a right to live. We look at that and say, oh, it's amazing, the circle of life. It's, it's like, it's incredible. Yet when it comes to humans, we don't do the same thing. Like, right, on this day, on that day, the lion was faster than gazelle and got him. And, and like, hey, that's just life. For humans, we don't kill slow people. <laughs> we, like, even they have rights. Where does that come from? Where does this belief in human rights come from? Because it's not in the natural world. It's something different. And we all hold that, and we should. And if you believe that, 
Thank you, and you should hold the human rights. But don't tell me that that's not a, 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 an assumption or a deeply held conviction based on a set of beliefs. Because it is. To say this means, uh, is extreme. To say that, hey, just don't bring your, your private held beliefs into public is extremely hypocritical and arrogant to say, listen, you can't bring your hell, your privately, your, your, your deep, most, most your, the, the beliefs that you are most, you, you hold most dear and most, like your deepest convictions, you can't bring those into the public arena, but I can. I can. And the reason you can't is simply because I don't like yours. That doesn't seem right or fair or or, uh, or, or helpful to any sort of public discourse. So this idea of, hey, you just privatize it, but I don't. That doesn't seem to be right. A third option is to condemn it. And this happens, uh, again, all the time. And, and you probably hear these responses. To condemn religion, just simply to say it's wrong and let's just avoid it and, and, uh, and, and you should too. Here's, so let's just go through some of, the, some of these um, uh, more popular responses or critiques that people bring up. The first one, all religions are equally valid and teach the same thing. So maybe you've heard this. Maybe you've been asked this question. Hey, listen, all, all the religions, they basically teach, us, teach the same thing. And they're, they're all equally valid. And, and, and I say this with all respect, and I, I, ne- I never want to demean or get into an argument with someone um, or, or, in, 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 or to look at any sense of, uh, of a sense of like belittling them, but, but this is honestly true. For someone who says that, they've legitimately not really studied the world religions. You just simply don't know what they teach because what they teach are diametrically opposed to each other. They can't all be true at the same time. They can't all be valid and all say the same thing because they don't. If you look at at Hinduism, Hinduism believes in millions, millions of countless gods. Millions of gods. If you go to a Hindu temple, um, I've been to one and uh, part of a, a world religions like experience and, and, um, and we just got to just kind of sit in and, and watch like what happens in their worship. And, and on the stage is, is literally countless idols. I mean, there's, there's probably 100, 200 statues and idols and stuff. And they're all, the, everyone represents a God that they're worshiping and praying to. And, and, and there's certain ones, Krishna and Vishnu that they worship more and, and like, oh, oh, you got a lot. Okay. Hinduism, they, they, they believe and worship millions of gods. Christianity, Islam, Judaism worships one God. One God. Maybe he's the same God. Maybe he's different. But regardless, they all believe in the one. Buddhism doesn't believe in any personal God. In fact, the goal in Buddhism is to reach nirvana, which is nothing. It's the, to cease this, the cycle of existence, to, to end it all. There is no personal God. Now, how can they all be right? How can there both be no God and one God and millions of gods? Logically, it simply isn't possible that they're all right. They can all be wrong, but they can't all be right. So to say that each religion is equally valid, teach the same thing, simply doesn't really understand like the depth of what religions believe. Here's another one. Each religion sees a part of the truth. I love this one. But no one can see the whole truth. And they'll usually, like what's usually brought up is the famous um, allegory of the blind man and the elephant. And there's these four blind men and and there's an elephant and they go and, all right, and they're all trying to figure out what an elephant is. And they're they're blind, they can't see it. So they just are feeling this elephant. One feels a leg and is like, oh, an elephant is like a a big, like a stump, like a big tree trunk. Like, man, it's solid and strong. 
Another one feels the trunk of the elephant is like, no, it's like a snake. It's like really flimsy. It's like not at all, not at all strong. Another one feels the tusk and says like, you guys are both wrong. This elephant is like a horn. It's like this is long, it's like really sharp at the end. Like, wow, this, this thing could do some real damage. Another one feels the tail and is like, what are you guys talking about? This is like a long skinny snake with some fur at the end, right? That's what an elephant is. And the whole point is they're all describing accurately an elephant, but not the entire elephant. And so the way it goes is, hey, listen, the world religions try to describe the, the experience and who God is and describe like everything, but they only got a little part of it. They only see just a little bit. So no one religion is right. No one set of beliefs gets it right. The, Leslie Newbegin um, uh, responds to this and, uh, and he, he says this, this is great that such a claim has such an arrogance to it that it, it actually invalidates itself. Here's what he means. That, that though the blind men don't see the whole truth, you, the observer, somehow you do. How is it that the one making the critique, right, that there's this elephant, and you know what the elephant looks like, but everyone else is blind, and they don't know the whole truth, and no one can know the whole truth except for me oh it's a little dramatic there wasn't it <laughs> do, do you see the problem with this no one sees the whole po- the whole pro- no one sees everything except me i i happen to have a collection of wisdom and knowledge greater than the combination of all the world religions they don't get it but little old me i do i know that's an elephant they're all blind do you see, do you see the arrogance to, 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 in which you say, how is it that you, that you see everything and no one else does? That's a problem. And is it possible, is it possible that the religions maybe are blind to various aspects, but like in this story, like what we'll look at here in a second, what if, what if there's one person who does show up and says, hey, I'm not blind, let me tell you about the elephant. Should we listen to that man? Should we listen to that person who who does see the entire thing here's here's another thing uh this is another good one religion is is tied too closely to your culture that listen you i i don't know i don't assume we're all believers here but i'm you know i'm gonna i'm gonna assume many of us are and like the reason you're a christian if you were chosen to follow jesus the reason you're a christian is because you live in america was a christian nation at least used to be maybe it is right we can have that debate and I, I please don't just shout at me anything but like but like the history like all right we you have a your shot of being a christian is far greater here than anywhere else and maybe you have christian parents you grew up in a christian home and like that's why you're a christian but if you were born in india you'd be hindu if you were born in the middle east you'd be muslim so don't tell me that, that like your religion is right because it's just based on where you live. Okay, that's, that's fair. That's a fair critique. Here's the, here's the problem with this. Alvin Plantinga, a, a great apologist who's a brilliant mind, um, he says that, that if this is true of religious belief, and maybe it is, but if it's true of religious belief, then, then wouldn't it also be true of the secular belief? of the pluralist or naturalist, whatever, the atheist belief or the, the agnostic belief? Couldn't you say the same thing? Hey, the only reason you're an atheist 
is because you grew up in America and you didn't have it you didn't grow up with a religion maybe your parents were atheists but if you if you grew up in a different home you wouldn't be an atheist or if you didn't grow up if you if you if you as an atheist or agnostic or a secularist or a pluralist if you grew up in India you'd be none of those things so how can you trust your culture and your upbringing the same critique you levy at me is the same thing that we can levy at you. He, he says this, Alvin Plantinga, his pluralist beliefs are produced in him by an unreliable belief-producing process. And your, your beliefs were produced by a belief process that is unreliable. Here's another one. It is arrogant to think that your religion is right and to try to convert others to it. This is great. And you probably have heard this a lot as well. Like, listen, this is the keep it private. Just listen, you believe what you want to believe, but it's arrogant to think that you're right and, and to try to convert others to it. But here's, here's the issue. Ready? Is that statement not doing the very thing it's critiquing? Attempting to convert me to your belief that you should not convert others to belief? <laughs> like the very statement is trying to get me to understand that you are right, that I'm wrong, and you're convincing, you're trying to convince me to convert me to your side. Tim Keller, he says this, skeptics believe that any exclusive claims to superior knowledge of spiritual reality cannot be true. And he says this, but this objection is itself a religious belief. Because he goes on to say, it assumes that God is unknowable. It assumes that you can't know anything about him. It assumes that they are right and everyone else is wrong. That, they ha that, that, that any skeptic somehow has a, a greater, grander, better understanding of all things religion far more than, than the religious person. That this claim too, it's arrogant to think that your religion is right and to try to convert others to it. It too is an exclusive claim that no, uh, no single religion, no single uh, understanding is right except mine. That my view is right and I can convert others to it, but you can't. This is what's called a logical fallacy and, and a self-refuting statement. That this too is an exclusive claim that, that does the very thing it condemns. So that's, a, that's an issue. That's a problem. So let's look at what makes Christianity different. So what we've really only addressed is how people have, 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 uh, have dealt with religion. But now let's talk about Christianity. The question is, how can anyone say that there's only one way to God, as, does, uh, as do Christians? So what makes the gospel of Jesus unique compared to other religions? There's three things, really. The first is this, the origin of salvation, which is this. Jesus is God. This is the claim of Christianity. I, at this point, we don't even know if it's true. We're just trying to differentiate Christianity from other religions. And Christianity is the only religion of all the world religions, all the major religions that people believe in. It's the only one that says that, that their guy isn't just a guy. That their guy is actually God himself. Other religions claim that a prophet came and to tell us how to get to God. But in Christianity, what we see is that God comes to us. It's not about a person saying, this is the way to God. It's about God coming down and saying, hey, by the way, this is the way to me. It's unique in that it's the only one in which its person claims to be 
God. Colossians 2, it says this. Paul writes, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity, all the fullness of God lives in bodily form. That everything God is lives in Jesus in bodily form. We see this in John chapter 1. This is one of my favorite passages. It says this. In the beginning was the word, in the Greek, the logos. And the, this logos was, was with God. And the logos was God. This word was with God and he was God. We jump down to verse 14 and he goes on to tell us more about this word, this logos. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That this word who was with God and was God became a person in Jesus. It's the only religion that claims that their person is God. It makes Christianity unique. A second one is that Jesus came to save the world, the purpose of salvation. In other religions, the purpose of salvation is to, uh, is to leave the problem of this planet, of this world, of the, our life, of our experience. The goal is to try to escape the issues that we have, whether it be uh, ignorance or sin or a cycle of suffering, depending on the religion. The goal is to leave it all, to leave it all behind. But in Christianity, what we see is that salvation comes not to leave or end the world, but to redeem the world. The most famous verse in, in Scripture, John three sixteen, and then the following verse says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I mean, right, that, that like... If you, were, uh, if you were a follower of Jesus for any amount of time, you know that verse. You maybe have it memorized. Like people put it, you know, all over the place, right? Here's the very next verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but he, why? But to save the world through him. The goal in Christianity isn't to escape the problems of this world. The goal is that Jesus comes to redeem this world. That's very unique to Christianity. Here's a third one. And this is the big one. The method of salvation. Jesus does all the work for us. In, in, in other religions, other world religions, the goal is to, to work out salvation by earning it. So you, you do this by pleasing God through either acceptable behavior or, uh, or obedience, and you're saved by performance. If you look at any of the world religions, there are, uh, there are certain things that they have you do, whether it be the five pillars of Islam or, uh, or the law um, in Judaism. Like there are things that here's, this, here's what you have to do. And if you do these things, then you can be saved. Not so with Christianity. In Christianity, what we see is that Jesus comes to take our place because specifically we can't earn it. This is, again, this is extremely different and unique in all the world religions where it says, literally, you cannot, you cannot earn your way to God, so I'm gonna come and actually prepare and provide the way for you. I'm gonna do the work. Jesus did the work for us. We're saved by grace. It's not because you're better than others. Listen, I'm looking around and I see a lot of great people. Yeah, you, you're just wonderful. You look wonderful. Well done. But you aren't saved because you're amazing. Because if we get deep down, if we look under the hood, we know there's some sin. In fact, probably a lot of sin. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff that we, none of us see, right? We all have our, kind of our public face on. But, but we know, you know. 
And it isn't because we're somehow better than other people that we're saved. We think we're, I just live my life in such, a, such an incredible way. I mean, ask my wife. She's not here, so you can't ask her. But ask, if you, you know, if you see her, just ask her. How incredible is Brandon? In fact, don't ask her. Please don't. <laughs> the reason, it, it, it's not because we're incredible, because it's, wow, you're such an amazing person. The reason we're saved is because Jesus did all the work for us on the cross. And, and that we, we had a debt that we couldn't pay that was far more than we could ever. And Jesus comes and says, I'll pay this debt. I'll satisfy the justice of God and I will, I will pay the price for you. That is unique to Christianity. There aren't other religions that, that have this same claim. This, if it's taken honestly and seriously, leads to humility, knowing that it's not because you're better or earning it or that you're greater than the other people. It's that Jesus did it for me. This leads to humility and inclusivity when you realize it's not because of your behavior, but it's that rather an invitation to all people, literally anyone. If you are a person, the option is open for you. It's not exclusive at all. Come on in. It's a, it's a private club that isn't so private. It's open for any and everyone to be a part of. We see this in First John, John who was with Jesus, he writes this, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That it's God who loved us and he did the work for us. In Acts chapter four, Luke writes this, salvation is found in no one else for there's no, one, no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. He understands that this is really, it really is through Jesus that this is different than all the other religions of the world. Jesus says this in John 14, 6 is one of my favorite verses. Um, it's, the, it, it's a claim that if he's right, it changes everything. If he's wrong, then he's crazy and we shouldn't listen to anything he says. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus, why are you being so exclusive? Either, either you are being extremely divisive and that somehow you're special and if you're wrong, then you are, this is crazy for you to say you're the only way or, or you're right. And if you're right, then it really is only through you. Now we still haven't proven Christianity is right. Only that it's different, right? Only that it's unique. And it really is unique amongst all the world religions. So why do we think that why do Christians claim that Jesus, Jesus was right? What makes him right and everyone else wrong? And, and really, all of, this, all of this centers around one thing. There's a linchpin holding this whole thing together. And if we take this linchpin out, if this, this single greatest factor of the Christian faith, if, if, if we get rid of this, if this wasn't true, if this didn't happen, if this wasn't right, if this wasn't real, then all of it can be thrown away. In fact, if this isn't right, we should all just leave the building right now. We should just take this building down, right? Make it a housing development right now. Homes are, you know, selling for a premium. You guys, we can make some good money. And, and, and like, we should just end this whole thing. This single greatest factor that changes, that makes this, that, that elevates this claim to, uh, to a, on a different level than other religious claims is this. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the most unique aspect of any religion or faith system. 
The resurrection of Jesus is the thing that changes everything because it proves, wait, he wasn't just saying stuff. If he really rose from the dead, then this guy really is who he says he is, and he really meant what he said he meant. That means he really is the way, the, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father through him, and, except through him. And like, he really is God. If the resurrection really happened, this changes everything. He isn't just one more prophet amongst a myriad of prophets. It isn't just one more faith on a smorgasbord of religious options. Hold on now. This, this is different. First Peter uh, chapter 1, Peter writes this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope. And how did he do it? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Paul then writes this, and this is a, an amazing statement. This is why if, if we're wrong, we should just tear this whole place down. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, and if Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is futile. It's worthless. It's a waste. You are still in your sins. If he didn't raise from the dead, all of this is a waste. Then those who have fallen asleep, those who have died in Christ, they're lost. All of them, they're lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, he says this, we are of all people most to be pitied if we're wrong and there isn't hope for hope in the next life and it isn't there is no there is no what's next and jesus didn't rise from the dead and at, at, at death everything is final he says then above everyone on the planet above everyone else we should be pitied because we believe in some false narrative some false theory and then he says this in verse 20 but christ has indeed been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep if he was raised from the dead then he's different and we spent some time on easter going through the the the, the evidences of the resurrection and it, it is it is worth a deep dive if you are having questions or just want to know more you should you should dive into that much more this the the the, the issues and the the evidences surrounding the resurrection and 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 really dig in so you get to decide here you have a choice. It's not by force. It's not by, uh, it's not by some, you have to agree to this religious system or set of beliefs or else. It's not about religion. In fact, we could probably say religion might be the greatest threat to world peace, this idea of, of exclusive religious beliefs. What we're talking about is something so much greater than that. We're talking about how to have a relationship with God. Not doing things in religion, but, but knowing him. Can all religions be equally true? You, you get to decide. What makes Christianity unique? Again, you get to really think about this. But here's what we can, what, here's what we can say, what this should lead to. The gospel of Jesus is one of the, is the one set of beliefs that leads to humility, peace, tolerance, love now here's here's there's good news and bad news that is amazing here's the bad news as christians we have been terrible at being an example of this but that doesn't mean it's wrong it means we haven't been doing a good job but if we really believe the gospel that it really isn't about you earning it really is about god's grace and that you aren't better than everyone else and so you're you're just somehow favored you're just simply saying no no, no i've 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 actually decided to follow jesus and i've accepted the forgiveness and i've all right, Lord, I, I want to follow you. That, that when you really understand that, what you, what you begin to realize is there's a humility to it 
and a sense in which I'm not better than everyone else. In fact, I was just like everyone else. And they have the same offer, that this really is inclusive to anyone and everyone, and that it should lead me to love people. So we have a final challenge. If you take moralistic religion at your core, if you just say it's all about religion and my religion and my religion's right and my religion's the best and everyone else is wrong, then you, what you do is you, you, uh, you, you, if you take religion, moralistic religion in the center of your life, you'll feel superior to everyone else, every other religion, every other secularist, everyone else. Like, we really are the best. We really do have, like our team captain is the best team captain. Our colors are, are the best colors. Our playbook is the best playbook. <laughs> it really come, becomes a competition. If it's just about religion. If you take secularism into the center of your life that really all religions are wrong and, and I need to focus just on like naturalism and, and humanism, then you will feel superior to all those, those backwards religious people who have no, who have, uh, they can't reason, they can't logic, they don't have any understanding of science and, or, or the natural world. They're just so backwards. You'll feel superior to them. You will. But if you take the gospel to the center of your life, here's what, and, and honestly, and you really, this really does, you really allow this to change you. The fruit that you experience is not pride, is not I'm better than, it really is humility. It really is, I just want to love people. It really is, this is an open invitation to everyone. This is, I include everyone. It really is, hey, listen, I, I'm not somehow better than you I've just simply understood the gospel and I've made a decision to follow it and, and you can too that this really is a force that if you do this it will have an incredible force for good in your life and in the world that, that, that the gospel really does have the power to change hearts not religion but the gospel that God came to die for us to sacrifice for us and you can have it so if you already believe and, and I'm assuming many of us do you've been in church and, and you follow Jesus and, and you have a relationship and you've, you've made a decision maybe years ago I, I, made the, I remember making this decision decades ago and it changing my life and, and you're in here's, here's your homework ready believe the gospel even deeper even more fully allow it to be a part of literally every aspect of of your life that it really is all about God doing what we could not what you cannot if you don't believe the gospel or you haven't yet at least I would pray this I would ask you to consider putting your faith in Jesus to consider saying okay all right I do I do want to follow Jesus at a bare minimum keep investigating Keep looking into it. Don't just take my word for it because I'm a guy on a stage on a microphone, but, but really dig deep and do the work of trying to really understand, make sense of this whole thing and see where it leads. So would you do this? We're gonna pray and then um, uh, we're gonna worship together. So would you do this? Would you stand with me? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll... Uh, We'll worship the Lord together and then, and then we'll, uh, we'll conclude here. But I, I want to give you an opportunity um, to put your faith in Jesus. That Some of you, maybe you haven't yet. And, and after today, maybe you're saying, all right, I, I want to. All right, I want to be a follower. I want to be in. I want to I give my life to the Lord. I want to have him change me.
we'll give you that opportunity right now. Would you do this? Would you bow your heads and pray with me? So if that's you, as we're, as we're uh, praying here and, and our heads are bowed, if that's you and you're saying, I do want to, I want to believe in Jesus. I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want to become a follower of Jesus. You can do that right now. Many of us have millions, billions throughout history have made this same decision. And you can do it right where you're at. You can just speak to God because it really is about a decision. It's not about performance or behavior. It's a choice. You can pray. I'll even help you out. I'll give you what you can pray. You can just kind of repeat. Pray after me. If you don't know what to say, you can say something like this. God, I admit that I am a sinner. I admit I am far from perfect. And I know that Jesus came to do what I could not. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin. I believe he rose again Jesus' name.